Welcome back to the Rose Garden Report podcast. I'm Sean Hyken, the author of the Rose Garden Report newsletter, which you can subscribe to at rosegardenreport.com. Free and paid subscriptions are available. The podcast you can get on Apple, Spotify, any of the usual platforms where you get podcasts. This was supposed to be the second episode of the week that was going to be available for paid subscribers only. I had an episode that I recorded earlier in the week with Yahoo Sports NBA insider Jake Fisher, which got eaten up due to technical difficulties. It never got posted. And so because of that, our post-trade deadline episode with Eric Gunderson back in the mix, that is going to be free for everybody. So all of you are listening to that right now. But if you want normally the second episode of every week, uh, it's going to be available just for paid subscribers to the Substack. So go there, subscribe if, they, if that's if that's something you want. Uh, the the episode with Jake, we pretty much ran through why both of us, based on what we had heard and what we thought, was that Portland was probably not going to really do anything at the deadline. And I don't know what what ended up happening. They didn't do anything at the deadline. So. <laughs> Yeah, Eric, how did you come away from, I don't want to spend too much time on the deadline just because there's not really anything to talk about that we haven't talked about before. I don't know. I mean, the Celtics are your squad, so I don't know if you have any Delano Banton takes to, to share with the people. Oh, man. I mean, actually, I mean, I did have a take, but I feel like it might be like a little too harsh. Okay. Like, like, like I don't, you know, you don't I, wanna... I don't, I don't need to like bag on the new guy too hard. Okay. Um, I, I do think it might help them accomplish some some goals that they have in mind that are not related to their record or they or, or inversely related to their record, if you will. I, I, I get what you're I get what you're saying there. I, I will fully admit I don't really know a ton about Delano Banton. I know that he was a second round pick of the Raptors two years ago and then the Celtics signed him and hasn't really done much but that was basically just a move to get you know get up to the 14 uh roster spots they traded a fake second round pick which is you know the top 55 protected second round pick that's the ex- that's the extent of the blazers moves i i there's not really too much to say about that did you watch i was there obviously did you watch uh joe cronin's press conference yesterday you know, I only saw the quotes. I did not watch it, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, look, I, I he said a lot of stuff that I expected him to say. Um, I was not, like, moved, nor was I angry. I just kind of took it as just, like, you know, kind of a neutral. Yeah, that's about where I landed on it, too. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm not, like... I don't think like everything is super like, like everything, like it hasn't, you know, there have been some bad stretches. Like obviously they're in a, a better stretch right now, but then they just lost, you know, 23 point lead, you know, circumstances being what they were. It, it, that sucks. You know what I mean? To lose a 23 point lead. Like it just does. Like, even especially though, to a team like Detroit that not only are they the worst team in the league, but they also didn't have a lot of their guys who either had been traded or hadn't been able to report yet from being traded. And I'm, you know, in fairness, I should point out that the Blazers were also missing uh, Malcolm Brogdon and Scoot Henderson and DeAndre Aiden and Duop Reith and Anthony Simons left with an ankle injury in the second half. So they, it was it was two teams that were pretty shorthanded. It was basically a Rip City remix versus a Motor City Cruise game that was that was happening on the floor. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing that happened down the stretch of that game is that the 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 the, the Pistons realized that they had a massive size advantage with Jalen mm-hmm. Duran in the middle and. He just dominated, you know, in especially in that fourth quarter. I think the thing I was most upset about with myself is that I I saw like what it, there was like six fifty left, and I was like, should I bet on Detroit right now? Like, should should I cash in on this? Because you could see Jeremy's legs like yeah starting to go, and just like everything was super tough. Like he was getting shots, he was getting to the foul line, but everything he was working so hard for, it, and you could just see him just like soup getting really tired. Cause it's like, like, that's the thing that people don't understand about like, you know, I think, or not that people don't understand. I think people just kind of overlook it when guys take that many shots, just how tiring that is to have to, and not just take all the shots, you're creating all of your own shots because no one else can create for you. I mean, 
I've I was never that good. Uh, there was one time in a rec league game where like everyone was giving me the ball, and it was kind of fun because it's like you're just like going like you're just like Kobe, but it's just like, but it's also you feel it the next day. You feel it the next day. You're extremely tired. It's exhausting while you're doing it. It's just it's not a it's not a fun job to just be the only guy that can create anything and, um. Yeah, I mean, I felt bad for Ashton Hagens having yeah. to be put in that position where he plays 30 minutes. Like, you know, if Ant doesn't go down, he plays 15 minutes in his first NBA game and gets a win. You know what I mean? And, and like, walks away from that feeling pretty good, and it just kind of sucked that he had to, like, he was forced into duty. But, like, you know, for all the people that wanted to trade all the veterans, like, that's what you would be getting on a regular night-to-night basis with this team pretty much. Yeah, I'm. That's kind. That's kind of where I landed on it too. That the, the Ashton Hagens. I mean, I I like Ashton Hagens a lot. I've been going to a lot of remix games. I've been getting to know him a little bit. He's a really good guy. So I was happy for him getting that chance. But yeah, that's that's a tough that's a tough spot to be thrown into in your first. Uh, and I actually I have to correct something. This was not his first NBA game. He played two games with the Timberwolves in 2021 during somebody pointed this out to me last night after the tweet, but uh, it was during that time during Omicron when teams were just signing anybody to a 10 day contract just to, to fill. Bodies. Oh, this so was like the Joe, the Joe Johnson return era of, of yeah. COVID. I remember this. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the Reggie Perry blazers era. If you will, yes. if yes. you want to remember, if you want to remember some guys, Reggie Perry, big time guy to remember Reggie Perry, but yeah, man. I mean, like, uh, we knew it felt like for the last couple of weeks, it felt like everything was trending. You know, you started hearing Orlando's going to keep Wendell Carter. The Knicks are looking for an upgrade, but they don't want to dip into their future pick stash. So it's like, it's like, there was no deal that you're just like, well, I guess we have to, because like some of the alternatives of like, let's say the Knicks hypothetical, which, you know, I think for them, they found it even better deal, right? Like they didn't have to give up any firsts. They got two guys that can play in their rotation with a bunch of guys injured, uh-huh. like as opposed to one in Malcolm. And I, I, I think that like the ideal scenario for a lot of Blazer fans was like Grimes, Fournier's, ex- uh, Fournier's contract, which is going to expire, and a 2024 pick in a draft where Portland already has four picks projected for the top 40 in the draft. So it's kind of diminishing returns at a certain point, having that many picks in this draft. You saw Toronto get they had they had, I think, four picks or something like that in the top third in top like the top 35. And they sent that pick out for Kelly Olinick. So like obviously there 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 is you don't want to be you don't want to have too many eggs in this basket when a lot of people don't say, you know, you, you need to take a swing. But I think there there's there's a point where like you're just swinging to swing. And I think also too, like maybe some of the people were like, well, the 48 deal would open up cap space. Who with that cap space, are they going to get that is a better fit for what they need right now, which is kind of like a caretaker, just another guy who can dribble. And also like, you know, he's been a good sport. He's gotten benched several times this year in favor of Scoot and Shaden. And he hasn't raised a distinct about it. Like he just plays his minutes. He does his job. And for a team that's rebuilding, that's what you want out of a veteran guy. And so like, you don't want some veteran guy who's like, well, this is my chance to be the star. Like that, that's what you don't need that right now. And it's like, I just feel like whatever they could have gotten with that extra cap space this summer, wasn't worth doing all of that just for Quentin Grimes and a first round pick. Who they got to pay by the way, Quentin Grimes. And Grimes is the same age as your three guards already you know, Scoot, Aunt Shaden. So like, he's going to want to shine too. So that complicates things. And that adds to like some of the tension about like, who are you going to choose? And it just adds another variable that I don't think you need to add. And also like a lot of people got mad at me for pointing this out. Like I, like I, like Grimes doesn't pass. Like he's a great three point shooter, but like the, the Knicks move the ball. Like they, they share the ball. Grimes does not. Like his turnover rate is exceptional in large part because he never passes. So like, 
I, I didn't see the upside there in adding him when I think where Brogdon's at in this stage of his career, it just, it's a lot less complicated of a dynamic with your young guards. It, like, it almost feels like adding him would be like trying to create like that Dallas, you know, nightmare scenario that they had in the 90s with like Jason Kidd and Jim Jackson and I forget the other third guy, where it was like, they just had tension and it totally cracked the team and none of them stayed. Well, remember the 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 Suns tried to do that about ten years ago when they at, they had Eric Bledsoe and Goran Dragic, and then they added Isaiah Thomas and thought like, oh, we're going to play this three guard thing, and then it was a complete disaster, and they bailed on it after the first half of the first season. Uh, I think the other the thing to, the thing to think about like when you look at the de- I mean, I th- and I think the thing that should make people kind of take a step back and realize maybe what the offers were that were out there and i don't know any specific offers that joe got for the for for malcolm or for jeremy or for anybody it's just obviously none of them were to the point where he decided that it was worth doing that's all we know for sure but when you look at the other deals that happened around the league how many actual first round picks got traded the only one that immediately comes to mind is the one that Dallas traded for PJ Washington, which is like top two protected. That's the only actual first round pick. There was like some weird stuff where they had to send a first to Washington for Daniel Gafford, but it was like a fake one that they got from Oklahoma city to change some protections on something else. Just about everybody else. It was like a lot of second rounders being moved around. It was a lot of money being moved around. A Malcolm Brogdon caliber player was not like, you know, you, you you know, in the lead up to the trade deadline, there was all this talk about like, oh, they'll, uh, Brogdon will get a first. Bruce Brown, the, the Raptors will definitely get a first for Bruce Brown. The Hawks are definitely going to get a few firsts for DeJounte Murray. None of those guys got traded. And because I don't think any, and I think a lot of this, and Joe actually kind of alluded to this. I think he didn't want to talk about it very much, but uh, Danny asked him about it. But this new CBA is making teams kind of, value first round picks more and not want to give them up and so if you're looking at uh trading malcolm brogdon for like a few second rounders like at that point like is that is that really worth doing i don't know if i don't know if he he obviously decided that it wasn't i don't know if i would have done it but that that's just kind of where everything landed yeah i i I totally agree with you like I, i i don't know if i would have done that if it was like oh here's some seconds like even like let's say the New York package that they ended up getting Bogdanovich and Alec Burks for, that was less than what a lot of people were hoping to get for Malcolm. So it's like, why are you going to do that when again, Joe would have gotten killed for doing that deal from for Brogdon. Are you kidding? Yeah, he would have gotten destroyed. It's like we couldn't even get a first for him. Blah blah blah. Like all this stuff, and it's like, look, I. I, I definitely understand where a lot of fans are coming from. I think last deadline's post presser was like probably the biggest mistake of Cronin's career. That where was, he was like, where he's well, like, I, 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 the sec- second biggest. I think the one on draft night was worse because when they tra- when they drafted Scoot, everybody kind of knew what was going to happen next, and Joe got up there and was totally in denial about it, and that was not. That, I think that I think that was worse, but yeah, be- between the trade deadline last year and then his exit interview, both times he said, uh, you know, started talking about how they were going to be ridiculously aggressive, and I, I thought I thought yesterday he did what he needed to do. I thought he laid out pretty clearly what his goals are, what his plan is, and you know, it's pretty much the same thing that I've written and reported for months now and you know people can land wherever they want to land on it but i don't think there's really a lot of mystery or a lot of ambiguity to what they're trying to do uh and by the way i i just i just want to also kind of uh this is this is a this is another example of somebody's comment on a podcast being totally taken out of context and blown out of proportion but the aforementioned uh, Yahoo NBA insider Jake Fisher, the the homie, and you know the, the 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 people's NBA insider, as as he as he is known, yes, went on a different podcast. Like put one put one in the air for Jake Fisher. Uh, yes, yes, I put put one in the air. You know the exactly one, if you will, exactly one. Yeah, but uh, he said on a different podcast last 
week that uh, something about the Blazers wanting to be the Rockets. And of course that gets, you know, taken as why do they want to be the 12th seed Rockets? And what he was actually getting at there was they, I mean, it was the exact reason that they didn't trade Jeremy or Malcolm, which is that they want to not have their entire roster be kids. And which I think is totally reasonable. And by the way, I don't, I don't think I I just, just, just spinning this forward a little bit. And I, I asked Joe last night at the press conference about what his timeline is, as far as how much longer he wants to be in kind of this rebuild phase before they try to be competitive. And he didn't really put a firm timeline on it. I am not expecting next year to be a, we've got to make the playoffs type of situation Mm -mm. i don't think they're going to shortcut it that much i don't i think i think we're probably looking at one more year of something roughly resembling this maybe a little bit better record but something roughly kind of close to this and then after that maybe you try to make real additions and you try to get back in the playoffs and you try to, you know, you know, take, take the next step with it. Because then at, th- at that point, they're going to have to make some decisions on that, on some guys, because, you know, Anthony Simons after next season is going to be going into the last year of his contract. And Shaden Sharp is going to be extension eligible on his rookie deal after next season. So I think next season is probably going to be another kind of similar developmental year to this one. And then after that, you, and you know, who's in the next draft like Cooper flag is in the next draft. And it's just like, I don't think that that is not in the, like, and, and this the, is a very know, draft focused front office. I think they're well aware that Cooper flag is in the, is, is, is in the, is in the next draft. But the, the other thing also, and if you like, if you look at the way their roster is broken down right now, it's like, yeah, they have Jeremy, they have Malcolm, they have Simons, they have, you know, they have a couple of, of, of veterans. They have, you know, a few guys like that, but, they have six rookies right now and two second year guys. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to run these guys down and you're, and I'm just going to have you tell me yes or no. Is this somebody you expect that the Blazers like enough to want to still have next year and, and keep around? Okay. So just, I'm going to name somebody and you say yes or no. Shaden Sharp. Yes. Jabari Walker. Yes. Scoot Henderson. Yes. Tumani Kamara. Yes. Chris Murray. Yes. Rayon Rupert. Yes. Duop Reef. I mean, I would they like want to, keep, to. They want I, I, to. They want to. I would like to keep him, but like, I don't know. If, they would. They would too. We'll get. We'll get into the. We'll get into the WAP stuff. But but but. Yeah. Do we count I, him as a yes or a no? Yes, I, I definitely would. I mean, he's like an ideal backup center. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, mean, yeah. I think he's perfect. And then the last one is Ibu Baji. I mean, if they're gonna keep, I mean. I, they like him. They want to keep him. Yeah, I would say yes. I, w- I would say he's like, I mean, he's the type of guy that like, you should be trying to invest in, right? Like, if right. and they puts, are. If he puts it on, like, he's a, the exact type of, you know, project that needs a long kind of, you know, process, if you will, mm-hmm. to, 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 expand his game it might not work out like it could be like a he i mean and they got him for free basically he was an undrafted free agent that they signed out of europe like but like we saw you know bruno caboclo for the that didn't work out for the raptors but you know bruno bruno bruno's playing in the euro league now he's like a starter for for partisan belgrade like 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 it may not have worked out in that sense, but like it was worth a shot. You know what I mean? And it's like, I feel like Baji has a bunch of talent that it's worth a shot to, to, to keep him. So anyway, continue. We have some breaking news, by the way. Oh shit. What? And this was sort of expected, but Shaden Sharp underwent a successful procedure to address a core muscle injury. The procedure was performed by Dr. William C. Myers at the, vincera institute in philadelphia which is the same place that damon nas and gp went he will be reevaluated in six weeks okay so that's about that's about the time uh timeline that we sort of expected uh you want to hit that real quick there's not really too much to say about it other than it sucks and you yeah with this 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 kind of down the stretch of the season when they're going to be trying to develop guys you would have liked to see him out there but that's obviously 
not going to happen. Reevaluated in six weeks is before the end of the season, but I personally am operating as though he's not going to play again this season. That's just my own guesswork. That's not any kind of reporting or information. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I guess one thing that is like different from his case comparing it to the other cases like Dame and Nasir is he is a lot younger mm-hmm. than than all those guys when they had this. So maybe he heals faster than they did. Because I remember like when Dame had it. He'd granted, been playing he had, on it for like four years. Yeah, he'd been playing on it for four years and he probably could have come back if the Blazers were like in a playoff race or something. Right. But you know, like I, I, I remember seeing him like before. I think it was like the Josh. Remember when Josh Hart had that forty-point game? Like yeah. it was like right before that game, Dane was out there shooting threes from the logo and draining them. Like, which like yeah. obviously takes a lot of core muscle strength to be mm-hmm. able to do. And so, um, I think he could have come back, and I, but I don't, I don't. They're not going to rush Shaden back, and I think it would be no. stupid to do that. Although it would have been really fun to see him and Scoot and Ant play together more, which is, I just think, a group of three guys that a lot of people want to see play together, and it just hasn't happened that much. So, um, you know, it seems like it seemed like before Scoot got hurt, uh, this most recent time that had him sit out, him and Ant were starting to develop a little bit of chemistry together, uh, you know, playing off of each other and knowing how to play off of each other. But... Um, you know, and hopefully you get to see more of that, and hopefully Scoot's foot thing isn't, you know, isn't too serious too, because that's that's another thing that like came, popped up yesterday that became a. I think was, Scoot's fine. He was warming up yesterday. I think I don't think that's serious. That's good. Okay, that's good to hear then. That's my that's my guess. But so six weeks puts Shaden at March twenty second. So that's one, two, three, four. I'm just going through the schedule right here. This is riveting podcasting. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen games left in the season. So, I mean, theoretically, you know, he he's cleared to resume on court activities in six weeks. Everything goes fine. And then there's probably another week of ramp up that he has to do before he's actually cleared to play in a game. So, you know, it's within the realm of possibility that he could be cleared to return with like eight or 10 games left in the season. And I actually think that if they, if he was cleared and everything went fine and and there were no issues, I don't think they would just based on kind of what I've, what I've asked, I've asked around about it. I don't, I don't, I don't think they would be against letting him play a few games at the end of the season, but only if everything is a hundred percent good to go and there's no risk with anything. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah. I mean, I think that's the right way to play it. Like if he's physically able to play, there's no re if he's physically able and well enough to play. Right. There, there shouldn't be any resistance to him actually playing. And it's like, if I think I feel the same way about Ant, you know, unless he's got like a thing that is, is, is hindering him or a health thing. I think he's got to play. Like I, I, I think he needs, more reps as as the leader of this team like and i think the same goes for scoot um like i I get some of the vets like like potentially shutting down some of the vets later but also like i mean even then it's like they're losing losing plenty of games with all these guys playing it's not like it's not like doing that is really going to materially affect their lottery standings no the way the way i've the what i've what i've been kind of telling people is they're pretty much locked into fifth in the lottery because they're not catching Detroit, Washington, Charlotte, or San Antonio. Maybe Memphis catches them, but even then, I think if if, if Portland really needs to, they can make sure that doesn't happen. I mean I think I think the I think the Banton move is a secure the spot type of situation. I don't know how much he's gonna play though. Fair enough. I don't Fair. know how much he's gonna play. I think that was just we needed to get up to, I think Joe's thinking, and, and by the way, we couldn't ask Joe about that trade yesterday because he had like the, like it was, there was still like a backlog of these trade calls that have to go through with the league office. So that trade hadn't been made official when he talked to us. So legally he couldn't talk about it. So there was no opportunity to ask him about that move specifically. But I, my understanding is that that move was just, you know, we need to get a 14th guy under contract to make our roster CBA legal and, 
we can get this guy for free and it's costing us a fake second round pick. So, and you know, he's six foot nine. Sure. Like fine. That was kind of the entire, that wasn't a, we were going to play this guy 30 minutes a game to lose games. I don't think that's what that, I think that was just like a bookkeeping move. I think that's all that was. Yeah. I mean, I guess in theory, I guess, you know, if they had had Delano Banton last night, they probably could have had another ball handler, you know, cause he's like, he plays, you know, he's effective, like, like he's six, nine, but he's, and he's like a point guard is kind of like the way he profiles. He like, he can like, um, but also, you know, he's obviously, you know, you know, he, he pretty much played in what, like two games for the Celtics this year and then played in like a couple of games for the main Celtics. Um, mm-hmm. He's effectively a G leader. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe he'll be playing. Maybe maybe they signed. Maybe they signed him. Maybe they maybe they traded for him for the remixes upcoming uh, playoff run. Maybe that's what that that was about. I mean, yeah, get it. I mean, they did cut Mo Harkless. Shout out to his family. Shout out to his family. Uh, but anyway, so going back to what I was what I was saying before the shade and surgery news broke. I did, we just ran through eight guys who are rookies or second year guys, all of whom we agree that are guys that they want to keep beyond this season. So how many more young guys is there really that aren't like absolute sure thing, like top end, you know, contributors like there wouldn't, there wouldn't really be room to take on like a Cam Reddish or a Kevin Knox and actually try to play them real minutes this year. So it's like, I don't know how many more young guys they're really trying to get. I think they have their young guys uh, minus whatever they do with the draft. Like if they move up high enough to get somebody like an Alex Saar or some, whoever they end up targeting in the draft, that's like, a, you know, going to be one of their foundational guys. Like that's a different thing, but like, I don't think there's really a lot of, there's already a lot of guys. There's already more guys than they are able to play right now as far as these young guys. So I don't know how many more of those types of guys they were really looking to add. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, you talked about, let's say they get one guy, but they also have, you know, the golden state pick. They've got those two picks in the thirties that are projected to be in the thirties right now from Atlanta and Charlotte. So like that's four more dudes potentially that you're adding to that mix of six and the roster size, the the max roster, including two ways is 18. Mm-hmm. So, so you already got over half your roster are, are going to be these guys, like super young dudes. And yeah, I, 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 and I, I don't necessarily see like, I, like I get that everyone looks at Oklahoma city and like the Ponzi scheme that they've created with like their team. But like, even at that point, say what you will about like, you know, what you think about the guys that they had to give away, but they effectively had to give away like five players or five. I think it was like seven players. And they had like 25 dudes on their roster in the summer. So they yeah. just start, they just have to start giving players away. And it's like, you know, at a certain point, like you don't want to be in that business either. So like, I, I, I think it's hard. Like, and, and I think there is value again in having, you know, adults on the team. Like everyone wants to, everyone is bowing to the altar of the Knicks right now and, and talking about how great the Knicks are. The Knicks kind of saw that like just having RJ, like obviously RJ Barrett's not on the team anymore, but like that just having RJ Barrett and a bunch of guys and a bunch of kids is not maybe the, and like Mitchell Robinson was the best way to go about building a team to move forward. And then they paid a ton of money to Julius Randall to come to their team. And they suddenly made the playoffs and that probably raised expectations probably a little too soon for them, but they missed the playoffs the next year. Then they, then they got Jalen Brunson. Like, like, and what I'm saying is, is like that team, like they slowly kind of built from that year that they signed Julius Randle to this team now that everyone is saying is going to be, you know, now everyone's taken seriously as a, as a, as a finals potential team. And I think with Oklahoma city, like, they got to the playoffs in the first year in the bubble after the Paul George trade because they had Chris Paul and they had a bunch right. of other guys who were good and SG, young SGA. Right. But other than that, it basically, like, if we're excluding that, it took them five years from the Paul George trade to get to this point now. 
And we're in, even if you want to count the two game years where they tanked at the back half of the season, where they didn't have a ton of young guys, you know, their, their team was pretty, you know, last year was a little bit younger, but this is, even if it's, let's say this is year three of the rebuild, that still means there's two more years left. If you're trying to, if you want them to be on the Oklahoma city trajectory. And I think that that's just like, I think that's just something that's happening right now. And I, 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 I get the frustration, but it does feel like a lot of people want to skip steps. I kind of, I see, like, I see both sides of it. I, I can understand how, you know, it, I, I can, I can understand how, you know, they, they trade Dame. Everybody knows they're going to not be very good. I understand, you know, having these young guys and wanting to see them and, you know, wanting, wanting to see them. And I think that's going to happen as the season goes along. But I also think that they've kind of handled the scoot stuff the right way so far. Like he started at the beginning of the season. He was terrible clearly wasn't ready for it i think he's i think he's settled into kind of a nice role for the rest of this season coming off the bench and now i think i think i think in the next month or two you're gonna start to see and like the guy that i think a lot of i've seen a lot of people say wants they they, want to see play more now is ryan repair and i you know me personally me personally as somebody who's watched him a lot in the g league i would like to see him out there too i think he's gotten a lot better from where he was at the start of the season but I think we're going to see that over the next couple of months, maybe not right away, but we're going to start seeing that. I don't think he's going to go the whole rest of the season, not playing in any of these types of games. That's all I'll say. Yeah. I I agree with that. And I, and I think, uh, yeah, he's, he's shown a lot of growth from even when I went to the first G league game and I went to another G like I've been to a couple more since then. Uh-huh. And and he's grown a lot. And I think the G League was also a great thing for Chris Murray. I mean, Chris Murray in the first half yesterday was amazing. You know what I mean? Like uh, defensively making plays, making all of his shots. Like, you know, those are the and, – and, you know, last night they blew the lead, obviously. But, like, before that, you know, they have been competitive against good teams for the most part here. Like, their schedule is, is not easy – uh, they're playing a lot of really good teams and also to the people who are concerned about like scoot coming off the bench being like a bad thing even in the game with brogdon he played 33 minutes against denver and then the next night without brogdon and grant he played 37 minutes so it's not as if like i think people were like upset that he like didn't close the dame game but he was also playing really poorly in the fourth quarter and they pulled him like at a certain point, you can't just like, you know, and, and, and the Blazers wanted that win and, and the, like, not just the, the fans, but like the team needed that win. Like they wanted it like the whole year, the Dame shadow has been over the team. And I think it probably felt really great for them to be like, yeah, we beat that guy. Like, it, like, even if it doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't know, man. And it, it, it's, and I also think, you know, like I was, I was totally out on Chauncey after that road trip, but like the, the adjustments that he's made, putting Jabari into the starting lineup with Jeremy, bringing Scoot off the bench, knowing when to put him in and when to take him out, letting Ant and Brogdon kind of run the show as more vets and also getting the team to freaking pass the ball. Like, like they they were just iso heavy no no creativity they they've been moving bodies more there's been less matchup hunting they're actually sharing the ball which are things that he's preached to us in the media but wasn't clearly wasn't getting through to the players until they got their asses kicked to a certain point and maybe he up up the 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 messaging on that as well but i have to give him credit you know as much as i was like saying like this team has no identity they're playing like shit they they're not doing anything that like they're not even playing defensively the way they were you know he's found a way to kind of you know i think kamara responded to losing his job as the starter really well like i i I think he's pressed the right buttons lately even though you know i think people are coming for his head for not playing repair last night yeah and i actually thought it was interesting what joe said about chauncey last night i actually asked him somebody else asked him about just 
overall where he thought Scoot was in his development. And his answer was about what you'd expect, which was that, yeah, we knew it was going to be rough at first because he's 19, but we like the way that he's uh, responded to that. And we think he's gotten a lot better, which is kind of what you'd expect. And I asked him and I said, you know, I, the way I phrased it was like, Joe, this is probably more of a Chauncey question than a you question, but will you say that Scoot is probably going to be coming off the bench the rest of the way? And Joe's answer to that was, I trust Chauncey because I think Chauncey has developed him the right way and has, and has a good feel for when he should be in and when he should be starting, when he should be coming off the bench. And he also pointed out that last season, and he's said this before, and Chauncey has said this before, when they drafted Shaden Sharp last year, remember, Nobody had ever seen Shaden play because he didn't play at Kentucky. And so he was this total mystery. And then he got hurt five minutes at the summer league. So we basically didn't get to see him there either. And then in the preseason, he looked like he was totally out of his depth. And there were real questions about whether he was going to even play his rookie year, whether it was going to be more of like an Anthony Simons situation. I know it was a different coach back then. And Terry Stotts never really liked to play young guys at all. But uh, was Chauncey going to essentially redshirt Shaden? Or was he going to actually play him when they were trying to win at that point because they still had Dame and they had Nurkic and they had, you know, Josh Hart. They had all these veterans. And both Joe and Chauncey have have told the story about how Joe went to Chauncey and said, look, I'm not going to make you play Shaden just because I drafted him seventh overall. I, if you want to redshirt him this whole year, you can. I'm, You know, it's up to you. I'll let you... No, 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 of Onlay situations from Joe. Allegedly. No, letting Ed Davis go because he needed to make Terry play Myers Leonard type of situation. None, none, none of, none of that. But yeah, but I mean that's what that's what they said. And Joe basically said, "Look, you're the coach. I'll let you decide whether Shaden's going to play or not." And then Shaden played from opening night and played the whole way. And there were times where you know he was starting, he wasn't starting, he was getting more minutes, he wasn't getting as many minutes, but. Chauncey built a lot of equity with Joe and you, you can land wherever you want to land on this. I can land wherever I want to land on this, but I'm, I'm telling you what the people who are actually making these decisions are thinking. And Chauncey built a lot of equity with Joe and a lot of cachet with Joe over the way that he handled Shaden. And because of that, Joe really trusts Chauncey to bring Scoot along the right way. And the way he put it last night was, empowering Scoot and developing him while also protecting him. And and I think that's, I think, I mean, that's, they're happy with the way that that's going. And honestly, the most important thing about this rebuild is whether Scoot and Shaden become what people thought they were going to become when they decided to pivot to this rebuild. And so far they are happy with, I mean, it's been, it's been up and down with Scoot this season, but you you look at what he's done the last couple of weeks. I think it's pretty hard to argue that there hasn't been, progress from where it was the beginning of the season. And I think, you know, assuming this foot thing isn't very serious, which I don't think it is. I mean, I, th- I think as the year goes on, we're going to look back at where he was at the beginning of the season and say, okay, things are heading in the right direction. What I'm really interested to see is whether Scoot plays summer league or not. Yeah. And I don't necessarily know if like at this stage, if Scoot's going to get anything out of summer league, you know what I'm saying? I'll bet he'll like- want to. I bet he will want to, but I I am a little I don't know what he's personally going to get out of it. You know what I mean? Like like I, I think what he needs is more high level reps against NBA players, less reps than the ones that he'd been having, which were against, you know, G Leaguers and guys trying to get into the league, which is the majority of what he'd he'd done. But the last point I want to make about Chauncey is like I think in the last you know, month, I was just impressed with his ability to admit, you know, maybe not verbally, but just to admit that he made a mistake by starting Scoot and Ant for Mm -hmm. that, for the duration of that road trip where they were getting their ass kicked every night and Scoot was posting like historic plus minuses in the negative. Like, like, like he realized and, 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 and taking Kamara out of the lineup. Like, like to me, like that willingness to just not just be stubborn, I think showed me something and 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 I think yeah I think there's a lot of conversations to be had about like you know you know how green his his coaching staff is for the most part um but I I I think I think those are definitely conversations but I I think 
yeah, I mean, the, the way he's adjusted on the fly with Scoot to me has been, I think, beneficial to Scoot and I beneficial to whatever this team wants to be and also beneficial to his job security. Let's be real. Like, like I think there was... Yeah, like... I think he will... Now I think he will be back. I... Yeah. After that January road trip, I was seriously starting to think about whether I was going to be covering the coaching search in April. I'll just put it that way. But now oh. I think... I Now I think that I... I think the way... And Joe even, like... Not necessarily with uh, as it relates to Chauncey, but just in general, Joe said last night that after that road trip in January, where they went one of went one and six, and all six of the games they lost were blowouts, he was looking to see how they responded to that. And mm-hmm. outside of that Lakers game that was totally non-competitive, I think, and he, I know he thinks, and I would tend to agree with this that they've generally responded pretty well, and it looks a little bit more like what it looked like at the beginning of the season when we were talking about like, Oh, these guys are going to lose a lot of games, but they're fun. And they're in a lot of these, like, I think it started to look more like that lately. Now the, the, I, of course I say this the day after they blow a 23 point lead to, Detroit, to the Pistons. Yeah. Again, like <laughs> the, the, the game after the trade deadline with it's basically a G league game. And then also Portland had like five of their top seven guys out in that game basically. So I, I'm not putting too much into that one, but uh, I don't know. I think, I think overall, honestly, like the good and the bad, this season has been about exactly what I expected it to be this season. Outside yeah. of that road trip, that road, that road trip, that January road trip was where I was like, Oh, this is, this is a problem. This needs to be, they need to do something here. And then I don't know. They got through it. Yeah, they did. Uh, like, like they, 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 they did. They bounced back the that next road trip where they like, you know. And I thought like, you know, uh, it sounds so stupid, but like Chauncey getting ejected was like, I was like, wow, like let's go, like, 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 <laughs> like, 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 actually like showing some, like, you know, protecting his guy, getting showing some passion on the court, like, like, and then they beat they beat the the Rockets the next night, uh, you know, in overtime. And, and I thought that they showed something and it, and it's like, you know, I, I, I do feel like there actually has been like a little bit more of a building here and, and, and in, in these, you know, this past month. And, and, and so, yeah, I think overall, yeah, it has been what I've expected. You know, uh, most years I will take the over on their team. I just didn't bet the, the win total this year because I was just like, you I know, I, it, the, no matter what it was, I would have taken the under, but they'll probably get to like 26, 27. By the end they, of the year. They, they might mess around and like get to 20. I mean, it's 28 and a half. So like, I don't oh, think I take that, the under on that, but yeah, I, yeah the num- I, ever since the Dame trade happened, my number has been 27 and I don't actually bet on anything unlike you, but right, right. that's been my number in my head was that it's probably going to be 27. They, are they have 15 wins now there's 31 games left in the season so they would have to go 12 and 19 i don't think they're going to go 12 and 19 and so i think their win total might end up being more like 23 24 rather than 27 but you know hey yeah and also it's like another thing too it's like it's like you know and i think they keeping brogdon and grant and those guys like they also like like last year, I'm not even talking about this year's Pistons. Last year, the Pistons won 17 games, mm-hmm. and they were by far the front runner to have the number one pick. They like were no one was even close to them in having the worst record, and they ended up with the fifth pick because the new lottery odds have been flattened. There's not as much incentive to have to like be all the way at the bottom of the league, and so. You know, I think where they are, their fifth, I think they'll probably be in a, in a strong place to, to be there. I, I think maybe the one variable that I could see is if the Spurs get a little hot between now and the end of the year. Like, their team sucks, but like... Wemby's I mean, so good, man. As long as Wemby's out there, like, they've got a chance to beat anybody. You know what I mean? Like, they, they beat Minnesota a couple weeks ago. Like, I, I, I wouldn't... I. Uh, of all the teams at the bottom that could maybe pass Portland, I would say that San Antonio is the one uh-huh. um, just because they're only five games back and they've got, you know, the greatest prospect since LeBron. Real quick, non-Blazers thing. I have some, I have some slop for you. 
some post deadline slop. This is oh. this is big post deadline slop. This is from our boy Yovan from the Athletic. Uh, the Lakers are targeting this summer Donovan Mitchell, Trey Young, or Kyrie Irving this offseason with a package that could include three first round picks. Wow, I mean, great. <laughs> I mean, if they want to do that, I mean, I guarantee you LeBron wants to do that. Uh, yeah, that's 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 what I got from that as well. I, I, like I, that, know, I, just, like, I just saw that and I was amused. Yeah, LeBron definitely wants that. But, like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I – I mean, Kyrie and LeBron getting back together would be pretty funny considering how things went the last time. But uh, – yeah, I mean, and, and Dejounte obviously there's the clutch connection. Um, yeah, that that's classic though. I mean, look, if, it, if there's anybody that can that can like have that type of a wish list, it is the Lakers. Unfortunately, like like their their delusions are often rewarded and validated, whereas like most teams they don't have that luxury. Um, and, you know, so I would say that while it is funny it's also sadly like realistic because it's but is that even really the move i mean i see that's that's another thing i mean i think i think there's i mean i saw that bill plashke column which to me felt like oh, i the, didn't see this i didn't see this to me it felt like genie and the lakers like deep state were like telling him to like put this out there that like they're not too keen on always being told what to do because at least with kobe it felt like there it was an employee employee as, as great as kobe was it was an employee employer relationship and kobe really never like crossed the line into telling them what they had to do like he would have his wants but ultimately the lakers would make those decisions and I think the thing that with LeBron is that LeBron is the one that's like, actually, you need to do it like this and you need to go get this guy and you need to get me this player or what have you. And it's like, and I think that they definitely feel some type of way about that, that this is our team or in like Genie, or in like Genie's case, this is my dad's team. Right. And this is not your team. And I think they, I mean, I, I think the LeBron subplot this summer is fascinating. Like, I don't think he wants to leave LA, but, and I also don't know if the Lakers, like, let's be real. I don't know if the Lakers have any better options. Like, because if they lose LeBron, like, who knows when they're going to be relevant again? Like, as, as much as the Lakers brand is strong and like people be like, people want to be a Laker, like, Everywhere you go in the world, people wear Lakers gear. It's like they're the most popular team in the world in terms of the NBA. And, but at a certain, but like the Bulls are like the second most popular team in the world and they suck and are completely irrelevant. So, like, those are your kind of paths. And it's like, it's kind of like dancing with the devil. It's like, you know, it, like, I just don't know where they go after, because if they lose LeBron, you know they're going to lose Anthony Davis right after that. Like, well, like he just signed that extension, so he's going to. They'll try to tra they'll try to trade him somewhere. They'll, they'll they'll like I could see it like when I when that Knicks Lebron stuff was like percolating last week, I was like, well, if the Knicks trade for Lebron, then like would the Warriors try to trade for Anthony Davis? Because they've always there's always been those rumors that like written that they've always wanted. The Warriors have always wanted Anthony Davis to pair with Steph Curry. And like, I mean, I like, cause if they lose, if they get rid of LeBron and get out of the clutch game, I would, I could totally see like clutch being like, well, we're out of here. I could see it. I just, it's just this, this stuff is always very, it's always very amusing to me when, when this kind of stuff comes out. Cause it's just, it's the same thing every year, but like you put different names in like this year, it's like Trey young has never really been in this type of stuff before. Now Trey young is kind of in it maybe because they didn't trade DeJounte Murray. And I think there's a thought that there's one of those two guys that Quinn would rather keep than the other. 
that isn't the one that was shopped. This, yeah, right. This deadline. Yes. Well, and I they just, also. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, and, and Trey is kind of paradoxical because it's like, I mean, when he's on, like especially in the postseason, like he's different. Like, like he's a dude in the playoffs. Like, in my opinion, but it's like it's the whole. It's a lot of the stuff around it. It's it, it is kind of LeBron esque, in in a sense that like when the chips are down and the lights are bright. Trey is one of those dudes that you want, like taking the last shot, taking a big shot. And, but it just sounds like the headache that comes with it is maybe just not, it's not what Quinn Snyder wants. And it's not probably what a lot of other teams want from their team. But at a certain point, it's also like, how good do you want to be? And it's like, I think a lot of, I mean, Portland was spoiled with Dame and, 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 and having, uh, you know, but even, you know, with him, like you had to sign his cousin, you had to sign GP2. Like, like, like there's just always these, th- always these kind of um, compromises that you have to make to keep your star player happy, especially in a small market. But it happens in the big markets, obviously, as we're seeing with the Lakers, which is the biggest market in the league. Yeah. Do you have any other Blazer thoughts? We're going to wrap this up soon. Do you have any other thoughts on just kind of the way things are right now, the way things might be headed, what you're looking for for the last 30 games of the season, anything in particular? Just hope that Scoot um, is, 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 is back soon and healthy and, and we get to see more of him and Ant together. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and, and even if, if he, it's him coming off the bench and, and yeah, just like, you know, keep them being competitive. I mean, it's not like anybody really cares about this metric other than gamblers, but like, you know, they've been covering the spread most nights. They've been in games, which is like, that's like all we want. At least it's all I want for the rest of the season is like they can lose every game. But as long as they're in it and entertaining or like maybe win a couple here and there, that's all I want to see for the rest of the season. And I think they can capably do that as they've shown for this past month. And, you know, and I also think stuff will open up in the summer hopefully for this team as well in terms of like, let's say you want to move Brogdon then. Let's say a team misses out on a max caliber player, but they still want to get better. Brogdon and say Matisse Thibel might be able to get you a pretty nice package. Or, or, or what if they decide, and this is something else I've been thinking about lately. We've, we've, we've talked about how many rookies they have and how many, you know, young guys they have. What if they don't want to use both of their lottery picks? What does Brogdon plus that Warriors pick get you? Right. Does, well, could, and what if there's like, or what if let's say they get four and 10 and some other team isn't in the top three, maybe isn't sold on guys in the top three. Could you package? They can move up. They could. could you package up. four? You could package four and ten together to get to one. If there's someone like or something like that. If if you really like a guy at that at that, right. depending on who's in the top three or if they're not in the top three, and it's like, yeah. And if they get the first pick, then like with in the lottery, then they could also use that tenth pick, like you're saying, with Brogdon, with someone with with some other players that maybe contending teams might want, or or teams that are strapped you know, financially to like want to get off long-term money. Right. And maybe they send you a future pick in exchange, which like, you know, that's really the Oklahoma city model. Everyone just thinks it's like, just get a first. That's the Oklahoma city model. No, the Oklahoma city model was like, we will take your long-term money. Like, I mean, the Brogdon deal is the, the Drew holiday for Brogdon and time Lord for those picks that's a perfect example of an Oklahoma city deal. Like you get the future first, you get the one from the warriors and you take on long-term money from them to alleviate their books. And like, I feel like those types of trades, especially as Joe said with the CBA kind of like, like this was the last like kind of dance around the CBA when the summer comes it's hitting. And so like, and, 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 and Joe's a cap guy, like, like, so I, I think they've studied this pretty well. And I think waiting to see what happens and wait, also, you know, the playoffs are going to change teams' tune. 
they might determine that they might need a certain type of player that they maybe didn't think they needed initially. Like, I just think the summer and the draft, there will probably be more options at the, on, on the table for some of the things that people wanted to happen that didn't happen uh, at the deadline. But we also said that last year, and they didn't really. And we said that last year, but I mean the 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 stakes were a lot different last year when it comes. To- yeah, because it was like Dame's gonna leave, they're gonna do, and also. You know, people talk about the Lakers tax. The Blazers were paying the Dame tax in any negotiation that they were going to get because everyone knew they were under the gun to do something or Dame was going to walk or want which to we should, Which we should point out Joe did to himself with how public he was being. We, I mean, we talked about yes, that. Yes, he did. Summer, but like, he, he, yeah, he, he did not help himself with that. No, and I think that's a tax that they're not going to have to pay this next time around whenever they're going to make a move is that like they could be more opportunistic about things instead of like, you know, kind of playing defense against Dame leaving and also playing defense against Joe's own comments about how they were going to be stupidly locked in on on, on making a move. Shout out to Jimmy Butler. Like, <laughs> they were going to be so locked in that it was going to offend people. They were going to be so all in. Like, like that 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 plus the Dame stuff was just like a toxic cocktail of like, yeah. of, of totally ruining any potential leverage you might have had. So – they, I think, will go into the summer with a lot less of that hanging over their head and, you know, hopefully help them make make some deals that people want to see. But I don't think any deals are probably going to make them a better team next year to the point where they're, like, flirting with the play-in and, and potentially, you know, you know, having that kind of conversation. I don't think they're going to be there next year. My parting thought is that I am really glad that the trade deadline came and went and I don't have to spend this weekend chasing a trade that may or may not be rescinded because of an issue with a guy's physical and (laughs) having to worry about there being things put out there about a team's medical staff that were not founded and having to basically last year, this is a little bit of, of behind the curtain. I was, um, I was at a uh, social gathering that weekend to watch a football game, Mm -hmm. if you will. Yes. And while I was, and I, I hate doing this, but I was the, I had to be the guy who had his laptop at the Super Bowl party. Oh, because like that was the day that like the Warriors had to make the decision about like whether the Gary Payton trade was going to go through or not, which it was obviously going to go through, but I had to, I had the whole thing written up and obviously I'd done all the reporting about the way that the stuff with GP's medicals came out, all, all that kind of stuff. And so I had to be the guy who was like, sorry guys, I'm at the Super Bowl party. I have to go and, you know, take, make a phone call or have like, I, I hate doing that. I want to, I want to have that day, you know, it's after the trade deadline. It's like coming up on the all-star break. I want to have that day to just like not be thinking about work. Yeah. And I had to be the guy that was working at the Super Bowl party. Yeah, exactly. So I'm really glad that that's not going to be a factor this year. Yes. Uh, I, I, I'm happy for you that that's not going to be a factor for your Super Bowl social, uh, calendar. Um, yeah, man. Like I, I'm. Yeah, last last deadline was uh, and 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 the aftermath of last deadline was a shit show. That uh, I'm glad that both you don't have to deal with, and Blazer fans don't have to deal with all this. You know, all all, all the all the trash that was being thrown their way um, from Warriors people and and all that stuff. So um, it's good. But by, by the way, I guess Golden Golden State starting to pick it up. I think I think. I was a little worried that they might be too good and like climb into the top four and then Portland loses the pick. So But then they get the pick top one protected next year if that happened. True. You true. gotta always Which, you gotta always be ready to pivot the agenda. Exactly. Exactly. But it does seem like Golden State's starting to get it together a little bit to the point that where they're like, they'll be in the play in. Will they? I think they'll be in the play in. Will they? Oh, all right. Well, we, we 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 can leave it there. I I, I we can think leave it. Will. We can leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Eric Blazer Banter on X blazerbanter.substack.com. You'll be back on at some point in the next few weeks, I'm sure. Whenever we feel the need to do this, uh, the podcast will be back uh, next week. Probably some Timberwolves stuff because they have the baseball series next. Uh, 
next week. And then, you know, there's some stuff I'm planning for the all-star break. So Rose Guard, just, just lock in, you know, for the, for just the free episode of the podcast every week, just go to Apple, Spotify, wherever rosegardenreport.com paid subscription for the extra podcast. Plus all the written content. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.